in sports, if you want to be the best, there are no off days. Welcome into the No Off Days podcast, the Nod Pod, alongside the co-hostess with the mostest, Chris Cato. I am Scott Smith. We got BK in the booth. Um, that's a nice little uh, addition to the wardrobe. I was hoping you wouldn't mind me promoting myself to co-host. Yeah, no, I, I like it. I know that you like to see yourself as the host and me as Is kind of a, I don't know. a sidekick, but I've promoted myself to co-host. I, I should have no, gotten I you think a... that's... Yeah, no, that's fair. You know what I should have done? I, I wanted to get you a shirt that says host and me one that says parasite because every parasite has a host, right? Okay, very good. But they didn't have that in yes. my size. Well, we got to get you expunged from my, my body uh, <laughs> as quickly as possible did you have a good uh, memorial day weekend i did you know um like a lot we're in the news business so a lot of memorial days i work but it was an easy day at the office i would say there were no terrible tragedies which is nice yeah. uh, fewer newscasts thanks to this eight, race eight hour you know charlotte coca-cola 600 that was on fox so that always helps so a little inside baseball whenever there's a sporting event on our air yeah. that you know knocks out a couple of shows everybody in the newsroom celebrates and they volunteer to work on that day yeah so that can they, i yeah. can i yes let me log an actual uh, vacation day a holiday right uh, was, about, do you think your memorial day was better than uh than aaron Rodgers, who mm, celebrated at metlife stadium by watching the taylor swift concert i think mine was yes but that based on me and my you know appreciation of taylor swift which isn't i i don't know you that don't I, think you would have gotten down like he got down I, he got I, down he did he clearly knew a lot of words to some songs there he was yeah so he might have had a better memorial day i yeah. don't know he was dancing on that that hurt calf of his were you were you surprised to, to see that you said you like your quarterbacks weird does this fit I in do. your i do but i don't does that make it seems like everybody has become a taylor swift swifty uh, yeah. So I don't know. That seems to be more in line with popular culture these days. Well, I tried to invite uh, our local Swifty onto this podcast today, but I, I guess she had other things going on. Do but you want to give her name? I do. I want okay. to drag her through the comments now. Her name is Haley Hines, and she is <laughs> yes. my 11 p.m. co-anchor, more inside baseball. Um, and she is the most devout Swifty I know. Yes. And so I wanted her to uh, help us process, you know, what's going through Aaron Rodgers' head here. And she wasn't able to join us. I mean, she, she does have did a, she give a you child, a but she, she, did, she did have a little okay. analysis here. And, and okay. she says um, that based on videos she's seen, mm. Aaron has been a fan for a while because he knows the words. And like he didn't just dust those. No, th those are old dance moves. She said he's, he's dancing like he's done it many times yes. before. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then, you know, he also said his favorite album is Folklore, I believe. So okay. if, if Haley had come on to the podcast, she and I would have sang a duet because I do know one song from that album and it's really good. Well, maybe you and I can do it. Do you know the words to Exile? Negative. Okay. No. Then that's not going to work. you can lead me and I'll just give you... Listen back of vocals. Let's not go down that road today. Exile. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. I don't even think it has the word exile in it, but it's a. It's, okay. She co-wrote it with, uh, or maybe she wrote it, but Bonnevere, the singer-songwriter, performs it with her. Okay. And so, big fan of Bonnevere. When Haley and I go karaoke, this is what we will perform. Okay, beautiful. All right. Is is she a bigger fan than her husband, uh, who is uh, <laughs> Fox 13 news reporter Evan Axelbank? I, I don't know. Because I was under the impression that maybe he was the one that was the bigger Swifty. In that yeah, I, I w well, I was the opposite. I was under the, under the impression that she introduced him to Taylor culture. But, no, I think it's the other way around. Really? That he was... Like he was the gateway. He driver. was head over wheels, <laughs> head over wheels, head over heels for Taylor. And then she was like, yeah, OK. I do wonder what the spell is that she casts over her fans, because it seems um, unnatural. Yeah. You know, and, and we've heard a lot of people that have, you know, kind of converted 
to the religion of Swifty, and so I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, there's definitely a spell, right? I well, mean, there's, there's something going on. Clearly, yeah, she's got some, uh, a down to earth quality, maybe okay. about her, where okay. she feels like uh, it feels like she's you know one of us, or at least one of a uh, you know teenage yeah, I girls. Feel very good yeah, spirits with Taylor Swift. <laughs> I don't okay. know. She seems, sounds like she you're seems, on your way. I am. I, yeah, okay. I'll be wearing a Taylor shirt the next right. podcast we Very do good. here. Let's bring in BK in the booth. Brian, um, Taylor Swift, your thoughts? Uh, I'm okay, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't ask how you're doing. I said your thoughts on Taylor Swift. I'm okay with Taylor Swift, okay, I guess. Okay, good. You don't want to banish her music. You, um, you have uh, teenage daughters. I'm sure they've tried to influence you. To, did to they listen. go to the big show at They Ray both J? went to the show, yes, mm-hmm. okay. with, with my wife, yeah. Oh, that's right. Up. You were on drop-off duty, weren't you? I, we were until we got a uh, parking pass. So, Whoa. Uh, yeah. That's a game changer. Wow. Yeah. Who do you know? Uh, well, <laughs> you know the same people. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. So you owe someone some favors. All right. Yes. I get it. Okay. Uh, Brian, what do we have on today's program? Hey, it's uh, NBA Finals week, so we dialed up Jason Jackson, radio play-by-play guy for Miami Heat. Mm. Yes, he's been down there covering that team for a minute now. He has. uh, So he's gotten a front-row seat to what they hope will be a little legendary run here by this team. I mean, an eight-seed going to the NBA Finals, I believe that's happened like once in the last, what, two decades? Something like that. that. I feel like they should not have been an eight-seed, though, right? Like, well, they, it's easy to say that now. I, I, well, every no before the playoffs started, everyone said, you know, who's the lower seed team you don't want to play in? And Miami yeah. was the consensus yeah. answer. But yeah, Eric Spolstra has done such an amazing job there. With yeah. Them. And they've you know, they've already knocked off some big teams. So it would not be surprising to give uh, the Denver Nuggets a run for their money. Denver Although, right now is um, plus 400. Right to so, win, yeah, weighty, 80% weighty chance of, of winning. But Miami's gone up against that, you know, against everyone they played. So they took out Milwaukee in the first round. I mean, that yeah. was yeah tough. All right, well, we're looking forward to our conversation with Jason at the end of the show. At the end of the show, we're going to do the fire up the randomizer again. Good. Mm. Yeah, it's Good. been a while. What is it? Once a month, too, I think we try. Been, it's been too long. It has. Yeah, it? Okay. This is our favorite. Is this our favorite thing that we I don't do? Know. It, it has become a staple. I think we, do we have any staples yet? People tune in just for we, that. We have a big randomizer, not quite as big as Taylor Swift, but a big <laughs> randomizer following. Yeah, they call <laughs> them randomizers. They also like the Nod Pod Gazette. I got a lot of good feedback oh, last did you? week. People did wanted you? to know where they could get a copy. Okay. Oh, wow. And they're mainly interested in reading the side articles that Brian created <laughs> about uh, Smith. Scott Smith loves it when it's plum season, and then... <laughs> Cato's new love of clogging. So they mainly wanted to find out what that's all about. I feel like those are kind of accurate headlines. Hard hitting. I'm a big uh, plum guy. I love plums. Is it is it plum season now? Or they? I'm not sure when they're in season, but. When I see them at the grocery store, I got to pick up a few. You're good. They're, Make they're sure they're good. ripe. All right. We're looking forward to the randomizer. Thank you, BK. We'll check in a little bit. From guys. Uh, if you are listening and you want to watch, go to fox13news.com slash nodpod. If you're watching and you want to listen or subscribe, take out your phone, zap that QR code on the screen, bottom right-hand corner. There you can find all our shows, kind of like the collection of Taylor Swift songs. Better than your wildest dreams. Some will say they're as charming as a love story. Some uh. you will want to cast us into exile over probably or you'll see some bad blood between Cato and I but for those I, I say simply shake it off and move on to the next episode 
There please. is going to be at least one listener who loves what you just did there. Yes, please subscribe at yeah. fox13news.com slash nodpod. All right, as we get into our talkers, uh, you know, obviously there's some big storylines coming out of uh, what Destin, Florida, right? So that mm-hmm. is that where the, the spring meetings are taking place in the SEC right now? Yeah, beautiful Florida panhandle. Man, yeah. good beach up there, right? It really is nice white yeah. sand. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. I, I've never been, but I've heard many stories, and I'd love to go up there. I'll some take point. you sometime. Um, maybe we can go for the SEC spring meetings. We'll do the podcast on that the road. Be yeah. very euphoric for you. It would. Now, the best of both worlds. So, you know, the the issue of tampering is coming out, and uh, Florida coach Billy Napier is saying that it, it really underscores how much this is a cutthroat business because now that the transfer portal has kind of unleashed this free agency among players, how do you prevent tampering from taking place with players that are currently on a team's roster? Of course, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, teams are not allowed to, you know, poach from other people's rosters. But it's just a thing that they're saying is hard to police. How do you do that? Because now you have trainers involved, friends. You have high school coaches that are kind of mouthpieces for players. And they're exploring, you know, what is potentially out there. This on top of whatever coaches are doing to initiate the conversation as well. Yeah. How do you crack down on tampering? That's, it's crazy. I, and, I, and I don't know that there's an easy answer because, as you mentioned there, you know, tampering was kind of always – um, there in the background, and it happened occasionally, and you certainly had your, your boosters and your But rope. there was a natural penalty involved right. if you transferred because now you, you have had to sit, to sit out, out. Here, but, but yeah, now there's no penalty. Once the NCAA passed that uh, one-time transfer where you don't where you're immediately eligible once they made that the rule it's like free agency all the time with nil of course being the driver of this right so and you you mentioned all the ways that no it doesn't have to be a a coach tampering but it could be a player for one team reaching out to a guy that he played like in this you know seven on seven camp with and getting him i got a buddy on another team i think the only way to do it you know nick saban mentioned this during the sec meetings is you you uh, have to have some guidelines on NIL probably, whereas it can't just be open free agency. Okay, so if you sign up, if you are going to take NIL money from my university, you have to sign a contract that says you're going to stay with this university and not hop in the portal again when there's a better offer down the road. I mean, and you know that that's rife with with potential issues because now you're linking the university to this NIL money. So are they now beholden to the university? I mean, I know these are supposed to be like third-party fundraisers. Well, and that's how the university stays and rids their hand of NIL money. But now you're, if you're linking it, it's, it's pay-to-play, basically. Well, there are some efforts to change that. What you just mentioned there is true. The, the way this was set up, it was supposed to be NIL is separate from the university, which is just odd if you think about it. And Scott Strickland at Florida mentioned this last year. He said, in what other industry do you have, do you allow a third party to do your hiring for you? And you can have no control over it. So what you're seeing now, I believe it was Missouri's legislature has just passed a law that would allow coaches, would allow the university to be directly involved in handling NIL. I think um, other states are considering that as well. I believe Alabama is uh, because they've seen that this this is a broken model that's not working. Like you should have, if you're, if it's your money, if it's your university that someone is tied to, then the university should have some control over it. The problem it. is if it's not uh, comprehensive, then it's not really that effective, right? So then it becomes a penalty for the schools that have those type of laws 
in their state. Uh, I, I'm kind of in line. Hugh Freeze has said that he thinks it, it ought to just go back to the one-year penalty if you transfer. Mm-hmm. And I think that that can kind of curb some of this. Because NIL is a draw, but it's not the only draw. I mean, a lot of these guys, they just want playing time. And if I have to sit behind a guy for two years where I can look down the road and say, well, I could be a starter here. Right. Then, I mean, that's, of course, a natural incentive as well. So, you know, I, I think with – the emergence of NIL and the transfer portal, I think that you need to bring back the penalty of the transfer portal for, you know, with, with the excuse, you know, you get uh, the excuse of you could transfer and play immediately if your coach leaves or if you are a graduate. And right. And those are the only two loopholes. But uh, but you're saying that, bring back the you're I, ineligible for one year. If you, I think yeah, so. You I, have to I, find I some that type would... of penalty to curb this or else there, there is no way to pol- – I don't think there is a real way to police it. It's yeah. not going to be fair at least. Yeah. One of the other big stories coming out of these SEC spring meetings is uh, around the SEC scheduling and whether they should move from eight conference games a year to nine conference games a year. The format is – you know, if you go either way, the format is to eliminate the division. So that's happening. Uh, but the 18 conference schedule would have one permanent game. So your, your biggest rivalry, it's going to be Alabama, Auburn, and then you'll have seven rotating mm-hmm. conference schools. And of course, now you have Oklahoma and Texas joining the fold. There's so many more teams and you don't want to wait six years to play a team, you know, like and you know Alabama, Texas matchup. You don't want to have to wait that long or else it kind of dilutes with the I think I think it dilutes the the strength is, of the conference. Yeah. You you want to see these matchups mm-hmm. actually take place on the field, or you go to a nine conference team schedule, and now you have three rivalry games, so three, three permanent opponents, permanent permanent yeah. opponents, and you have six rotating opponents. Um, I, I don't know. I, most of these power conferences have already gone to a nine conference schedule. I think it's appropriate for the SEC to do that. I, it doesn't really to me zero in on the bigger issue which is i want to eliminate cupcake weekend i want to eliminate the games that don't matter you know it seems like the sec will say well you know because of our strength of schedule playing against conference teams that you know we're kind of entitled to do this kind of stuff so what's the incentive if i have nine conference opponents against the toughest teams and then i schedule an additional two non-conference heavyweights right right? like yeah my strength of schedule improves but i'm also increasing the chances that i drop a few games so but i think that that's like you can't benefit from a from a strong conference financially and then push back against the other side of that which is it is financially lucrative because it's a more compelling conference because the games are more important yeah I wish, you know, in the beginning of this, uh, I really like the idea of that nine-team model you mentioned there with the three permanent opponents and then the six rotating. Uh, I Now I see, you know, some of the difficulties in – I see why some universities – you're always going to have people complaining because it, in a nine-team schedule, you're going to have uneven home and road games. You're going to – especially if you're one of these teams that has a neutral site game every year like Florida-Georgia do. So you would have to work all that out. Uh, my main thing is I wish they would just do right by the fans. And what you talked about there is so true. The cupcake, the cupcake games have to go. Uh, that that's where you're to me just when you say it just means more no it, it doesn't really when when you schedule an automatic buy for yourself i think uh in a 12 team playoff which is what we're moving to 
Okay, yes. Do you take on the risk of losing another game if you expand to a nine-team conference schedule? Yeah, probably. You, you know, your, your odds are going up of losing another game. But I also think when the playoff team, uh, playoff field expands to 12 teams next year, you're going to get, you're going to still have a chance to get in with two losses and maybe even three, depending on who those three yeah. losses are to. Sure. Um, so I, I, I wish they would. I don't like that the eight, uh, the eight conference game model is, has been introduced again. And you know what I really don't like about that is, yeah, you have the permanent game against your rival, Alabama Auburn, let's say. So, but. So you don't play Tennessee every year? You don't play LSU yeah, every I mean, year? You have, you have I, more than one rival. I mean, that's what I, I – you know, and then for Auburn, they don't play – you know, Georgia-Auburn is the oldest rivalry in the South. That goes away. I don't want to see that. I, I think that's bad. I think if you are, you know, claiming to be the biggest conference, the, the reason this conference is in the position that it is is because of the passion of its fan base. So do right by the fans. Play an extra conference game. And you know what? ESPN's going to sweeten that deal too. You know, for for you're getting how many more if you extrapolate that eight more conference well, you games? You would you would expect that, but I don't know that that's actually been drawn out. I mean, I think that that would have to be part I, of what what it looks like to move into a nine conference schedule. Is that that you know they pony up more money yeah. for the more compelling matchups? So yeah. so I hope they do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, moving on to other college sports, uh, University of Oregon golfer Greg Solhog. Uh, so there are freak injuries that happen in sports, and uh, this one I, I don't know that I've ever seen or heard of, and I can't even I don't want to see it, that's for sure. I can't even fathom how it happened, but this poor golfer is competing in the NCAA championships at Greyhawk in, in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he steps on a wooden tee, and he impales his foot. The tee goes through his golf shoe and through his foot. It's a wooden tee. How does this, how does this happen? I've, I've read six or eight different accounts and none of them explain how it happens. And so I'm just kind of, you know, playing it out in my head and, and picturing, you know, terrible impelments. And so it would have to be that it's obviously not the head of the tee that you put the ball on somehow. Oh, you know what happens when people well, it's probably splintered. Yeah, yeah, that's it. People swing like me and they don't they don't make a clean hit and they leave the splintered tee. I'm guessing he must have just stepped in the perfect spot to have this thing shoot through. But what kind of shoes are you wearing? I mean, you are an Oregon. Whatever that shoe deal is. Well, he's an Oregon golfer. So this is on Phil Knight. Phil Knight has to fix this young man's foot. Yes. Yeah, we need uh, T impalement prevention measures. That sounds terrible. Well, I mean, the T had to, there's something that had to be underneath that dirt, right? I mean, it had to be sitting on a rock or something. For I the mean, tea not to press down. Right, the, for, to, I yeah. mean, or those are really hard tea boxes. Unless he there. weighs 25 pounds. Well, have you seen like his really, picture? He's he's a slight man. He's the size of a nine iron. Okay, well maybe then that ex- uh, you know have you ever have you ever impaled your foot on anything? Goodness. <laughs> I have. Uh, I st- when I was young, I, I stepped not. on a nail. It went through my foot. You did as a kid. Yeah. Oh, how absolutely. did that feel? Uh, well, I don't recall it all, but uh, I just remember that I, I stepped on a board and the nail was pointing up to the board and the board was like stuck to my foot and it was kind of like shock immediately, like what's going on? And then, you know, my mom came out and pulled the board away from my foot and I had to, we didn't even have, wait, med- we didn't wait, even have medical wait, insurance wait, at the time, so we not, just soaked my foot in the tub. Are, are you numb from like the ankle down? Were, were you not in immense pain? Well, I've had multiple ankle surgeries, <laughs> but maybe that's, maybe that was the initiator of all of it. Yeah. So mom comes and pulls you off of the board. Pulls the board off my foot. Okay, yeah. and then just uh, and and then gives it, you some aspirin and 
yeah. bandages you Rub off. some dirt on it. Pour some tussum on it. And yet, you, you, you haven't died. You're still here. I'm still here. So tetanus. I mean, the foot's black. But, maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, you'd, maybe you'd had a tetanus shot, yeah, though. Please I, tell me you'd had a tetanus shot. I, I don't know. You know we, what I just remembered? Have you seen the movie, um, what's the one, where the family uh, has to be silent because of the aliens? Um, come on. Where's our resident movie buffs? This always happens <laughs> when we talk movies. John Krasinski, he's a silent place, right? Have oh, you okay, seen yeah. a silent yeah, place? Yeah, I have seen that. Okay, and yeah. the mom is trying to walk downstairs, the stairs quietly because yes, there's an alien. The aliens have super good hearing. Yeah. And and guess what's waiting there on the basement steps? Yeah. The nails. That nail and, 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 the, and the viewer is watching this, and she doesn't see it. And, and you know she's going to scream when she steps on them. And then... A then the aliens are oh my goodness that yeah. was that built the drama there yeah very good well I, an alien didn't abduct me at the time so well, it was good we don't have proof of later that. in life uh, speaking of freak uh, incidents that happened at sporting events so the Indy 500 this last weekend and um, congratulations to Team Penske that was a, a weekend sweep for them uh, but there was an incident where you had a crash uh, Felix Rovenquist Rosenquist I probably mispronounced that name uh, hits the wall. I believe it was turn two, and then um, Kyle Kirkwood comes gliding in, and he can't avoid it, so he crashes. And with that collision, Kirkwood's tire flips off. And the, the entire wheel. The, the wheel flips off, and it's it, it caroms over a wall and over the grandstand into the parking lot, smashing the hood of a spectator's car. Yeah. Like, first of all, like crazy like yeah. how does it how does a wheel travel like that an entire wheel right. not just the rubber tire right well, this, this is it'd be impressive if the if the just the tire came off too but yeah. like either way i mean this could have gone so bad did you Nobody see how close injured. it came to the fans in the stand like it went right over them that's yeah it's insane and it smashed this lady's either hood of her poor car and so how, how did the IndyCar president make it up to him, or Indy 500 president? Well, he invited her down for pictures on the track afterward, and she got to kiss the bricks, yeah. and all was better. <laughs> and she was fine with that, yeah. it looked like. Did you? She what was, would you have required? She was wearing a checkered flag. Do you see her ensemble? Like she I was, didn't see her. She's no. a big fan. She okay. was watching from a suite, and she's so wearing— it's probably an honor to No, have this was smashed. everything. I, yeah. yeah, I think she—now, will she miss her Chevy Cruze that she had nicknamed Snowball because it was white? Mm. Uh, yes, but I think it can be repaired. I think it just— had a smashed radiator it wasn't drivable certainly uh but i think that she thought this was a fair trade getting to kiss the bricks which that's what the winner does right of the, yes the indie. i'm not as up on my indie um yeah so if i had to I, i'm thinking of a sports tradition that you know i would trade a smashed car for and well, like let's say you're at the masters and oh one of those trees you get you get you know, one of those trees yeah. falls on your car one of those trees falls on you uh, no. <laughs> what would you then require? Well, hospital uh, bill payment first. first. Yeah. But if it smashed my car, then yeah, I want the green jacket. I don't want to keep it, but I want the photo. Well, they can't do that. They can't give you the green jacket. It just uh, don't give it to me, but just let me take a photo in it in front of the butler cabin. Really? That's all you would require? Uh, uh, yeah, that's all I need. A photo <laughs> of me in the green jacket. This is all we needed to give this guy to assuage his uh, Yeah, lawsuit. he just wanted a picture I didn't say yeah. I wasn't going to sue. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, I'm sure the uh, that's part of it. What yeah. about you? Well, no, you want lifetime passes? You don't play Augusta, right? I mean, look, here's the deal. That this they they give her these this treatment and sure it's a, it's appropriate, but it what they do is they navigate away from the the bigger story which is like this could have killed somebody. 
yeah. Like if you get tagged on the side of a fairway by a golf ball, it's probably not going to hurt you. Maybe leave a welt, you know, but that, that's the worst that could. But this could have killed somebody. Mm, easily. Like, so I don't know that she's entitled to more than like damages for her car and, and maybe, you know, a, a free ticket to the Indy 500 next year. Uh, but, you know, this is a way of, I think, them skirting around the bigger issue here. Like, yeah. I mean, and, and we know that racing has done a good job of trying to, we've seen parts of cars fly into stands before and, and things can get really scary, but uh, it's wild. I mean, they're going to have to revisit all their safety guidelines around the track there. Well, don't they have, and, and maybe BK wants to weigh in, he's a he's a bigger motorhead than us, but those wheels on those Indy cars, I believe, are te- supposed to be tethered to, so that that can't happen, so that wheels can't just fly off and this one may not have been. BK, I don't give know. us the anatomy of an indie car wheel. yeah please what have you seen under the hood well no i mean they're supposed to have a uh, tether system and, and roger penske who owns the track uh, is actually investigating it because it is it's quite scary and they've had tires actually go into the stands at an indy 500 i think 1987 uh spectator died when a tire got off went over the fence and hit a hit a fan it's happened at other tracks and that's why also nascar their penalty when a tire comes off the car is so severe. For, you know, you, you suspends crew members for four races. Yeah. Because they do not want, that's the one thing they can't, you know, have is, you know, pieces of car going it off into the stands. But the back to your question, it is supposed to be tethered, and it's it was just a freak uh, instance, and they're investigating it now why it did actually separate from the from the car. But what about the caging system around the track? Like the... the yeah, it flew. It flew over that netting too, right? Right. It I mean, did. it was yeah. a. I mean, you just you, increase the height of it. I like. mean, it's it's pretty high right now, and it, it does. And the fence does do a, a good job. You don't the uh, pieces of car getting out of the track is, is much rare now, rarer now than what it was in the in the past. I mean, you remember at Daytona when cars would get up in, into the fence, and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden you just shrapnel going into the stands. That is less than some. <laughs> They've they've uh, moved the f- fans back quite a bit, you know, from the fence when where they were used to. So the safety factors have increased there. It it is very rare, but it it does happen. And in, in Indy and Roger Penske, they're all pretty serious about wh- this tire coming off. If if you can get more swag from getting a ball that's given to you by Mike Evans after a Tom Brady touchdown catch, if you can get, like, Bitcoin and whatever, however yeah. many thousands of dollars. Season tickets it. for the rest of yeah, your life, right. yeah. If you can get more than having the near a near-death experience by having your car smashed by an IndyCar tire, then well, I think you're doing something wrong. You need to re- renegotiate. Well, this, <laughs> this, ty- this car was parked 10 feet from the track. I was so surprised by how... pass uh, right there. I, I was surprised by how close the car was to the track. I was and like, so, wow, so, Tires may appear closer than they right. maybe closer yeah. than they but appear. But uh, it was scary. It was scary yeah. when I when I when I was watching it. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you for your perspective on the oh, please. on the tethering <laughs> system. There. Yeah. What if a, you're at uh, let's say a lightning game? Uh, wayward Zamboni gets out of the goes yeah. berserk, gets off the ice, smashes into your yeah, uh, Honda like, Civic. Uh, what are you getting out of the deal? What are you making the lightning give you or the NHL give you? Well, I think if, you know. Just bare minimum here. I, I got to have season tickets mm-hmm. probably for life. Wow. I think I kind of want my own Zamboni, too. <laughs> I want a street legal Zamboni that can at least get me up to 35 miles an hour. And if, I, <laughs> if we can get that done, then, hey, there's no issue, no lawsuit. 
you don't even have to replace my car. It's it's already junky anyway. So just give me a Zamboni that is street legal and we're good. You should have negotiated yeah, for the woman at Indy 500. Hey, we got some, uh, it's it's a special time on the sports calendar for our friends down south. I mean, yeah. everything is kind of, Champa Bay was here in Tampa for a while, and now it seems to have drifted south. Miami and South Florida is now the hotbed. So we got the Panthers cooking and we got the Heat cooking, both trying to hang some championship banners. Uh, what do you say we talk a little hoop? You do that. I'm going to go listen to some Taylor Swift songs. Okay, very good. Well, he has had a front row seat to this incredible Miami Heat run, now back in the NBA Finals for the first time in three years, hoping to hang a fourth championship banner. Let's welcome in Miami Heat radio play-by-play voice Jason Jackson to the show. Jason, first, before we look ahead, I, I-, I got to take a minute to look back, okay? So sure. Heat had a chance to-, to potentially sweep the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. It doesn't happen, but they do close them out in seven, something that they weren't able to do last year. As you look back on the Eastern Conference Finals, what do you glean from that? What do you pull ahead to, to move forward into the NBA Finals? It's a wonderful reminder that it's hard. <laughs> like, all of this <laughs> is hard. We forget about the desire of the other team right. often, particularly when we're rooting for another team or if we're just work, we work for the other team. Uh, that, that things went so beautifully in those first three games that you're like, oh, all we need is one more. How great to do it on the home floor. Okay, that didn't happen. Let's go up there and get it. Oh, wait, that didn't happen. Okay, we'll go back home and get it. Oh, now that was close. <laughs> close. And now we're in historical spots yeah. to try to make something happen. Well, and I think, you know, going into that game seven, it seemed like, okay, well, maybe the, maybe the fairy dust has kind of worn off on this team. They've been able to do what no team has been able to do as an eight seed to to march all the way to the finals now. Uh, but you, of course, look at the team on the opposing side, and, and this Denver Nuggets team is going to come in as, as a heavily favored team. It, but but I guess the Heat kind of thrive in this role, right, as, as the spoiler. Uh, this is not lost on anybody, including Denver, right. you know, what's coming. Uh, the, the, these two teams only get to see each other twice a year, being out of conference. And, and that's any scenario in the, the NBA finals. But oftentimes there's a rhythm. You know, that you've met a team once or twice at this apex, and because this is the very first time Denver's been here in franchise history, at least their NBA portion, that um, there's there's no way to know what we're going to get until right. it's on the floor, which is super cool. I, I think that it's, it's healthy that you have more teams that are in position to battle, and, and Denver's been knocking on this door for a minute, and this Miami Heat team is going to the finals, this iteration of it, for the second time in four years, so... Um, they're, they're both two worthy combatants, two very different teams. And, boy, is Denver big. <laughs> they are yeah. they are large. So we're probably going to see different rotations from Coach Bolster than we saw in the latter portions of the Boston series. Well, and to that uh, effect, you know, obviously Jokic is, is going to get his, and he's not one of those guys that you can you can shut down. But w- what do you think Spolstra's line of attack will be to limit the guys on the periphery? Well, good luck, right? <laughs> That's how good he is. It's a good luck. And you, and the first thing you got to do is you got to get him moving. He's got to get out of the paint. Got From a defensive standpoint, you've got to get him moving and using more energy to defend uh, because on the other end, he's just a savant. He's a, he's a, he's a maestro. Uh, does more with less movement than most people who put those types of numbers up to be an orchestrator of offense, to be a scorer himself. If it gets rolling and comfortable, a shooter. You know, obviously, the rebounds come as he wakes up in the morning. There's going to be 10 to 12 of those. So he has established himself. Uh, and this is all due respect to 
everybody else who's in this column, including the current MVP, Joel Embiid. But that man is the finest big man in this game. Well, it is the matchup that I don't know that everybody uh, knew they needed, but uh, we're certainly getting Nikola Jokic against Nikola Jovic. Uh, for those that are late tuning in, uh, how will they spot the difference? <laughs> well, one guy's going to play a lot and one won't. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yes. That will be one. Jovic is a wonderful rookie that we, uh, that we drafted. Uh, he had some uh, injury problems that we were able to get him strong and back into the mix. He's played some minutes in the postseason, but – the cleanup ones, and uh, we're excited about his development and growth. And I, I think this is an exciting moment for him. You know, both from Serbia and have almost damn near one letter. I and, know uh, they'd have the same <laughs> name, right? So that's going to be cool for them. But uh, once once that's done, man, it's just this is what you fight for. Yeah. Both teams, four wins, you get them. You're the champion of the NBA universe, and and that's that. There are competitors on both sides, from the head coaches to their staffs, to the players that meet that competitor stuff. There's nothing wrong with kind of combining your excellence in your game with your brand and kind of having that that shine that comes with being a professional sports superstar. But when you look up and down these two rosters, it's it's the basketball first. And that's, I think, going to be really fun for this group jason because you've you've been down there for a long time now and you've you've seen the championship runs you know early on in eric spolstra's era it was well you know anybody can win when you got you know lebron bosh and wade and and now he's 16 years as head coach of the miami heat what has impressed you about how he has developed as a head coach over time and kind of defied what was once thought of as hey just just a lucky guy getting a lucky break mm. well he worked hard for it i mean you got to catch the eye of one of the icons of the game uh to get tapped you right. know first of all so that was the work he did when no one knew his name other than those of us those of us in the organization knocking the socks off of pat riley for a decade first right and then i would say his biggest move over these last few years well, he has his team prepared. And, I mean, scouting reports are thick and thorough. He comes from the video room, so I'm sure there's a heavy task for those men and women to be excellent at what they do and providing information to the staff and to the players. But I think his embracing of managing personalities, along with still being a great tactician, is probably the hardest thing to do, to put those two things in place. Mm-hmm. That if you're great with players, you're probably not as good with the X and O's. If you're an X and O's uh, masterpiece coach, then sometimes your head's down a little too much and you're not connecting with people and realizing what's going on with them in their lives as well as their profession. He has mastered it. Hmm. He's still one of the great after-timeout coaches, drawn up plays that aren't necessarily in the book, having something in his pocket for a decade that he's been waiting for a moment (laughs) to spring out. Staying up all night watching Western Conference games, seeing teams that you know, you know, like you only see sparingly, like we're experiencing, you know, getting back to the finals. But um, he is just so even. Hmm. That's the thing I admire about him the most. I suppose only 18 months older than me, and so I, I feel a contemporary uh, kinship with him. But I am volatile. <laughs> I was born under the Taurus moon, and I embrace every little bit 
of that zodiac sign. Well, I appreciate that you've given us the very even keeled Jason Jackson in this interview to this point, at least. But I do have to ask you this, because uh, up in here in, T- in Tampa, we had Champa Bay running for a while, but now it, it's shifted south. Obviously, you guys got the Heat and the Panthers both playing for championships. How, how cool is it? The environment down there right now? I love that the teams are embracing it. Oftentimes, teams are super competitive, right? Professional teams in the marketplace are trying to get oftentimes the same dollar from the same people, and it's not it's not easy to do. And I think I don't even think fans even realize it themselves. And so, in a market where you have big time college sports on top of all four major sports and uh, pretty places and pretty people, and it's the world's playground, like you you better be excellent hmm. if you want everybody's attention. But the Heat and the Panthers have been super supportive of one another, both uh, in person and, and, and virtually. Uh, the Marlins have been a part of it, you know, wearing gear for both teams. Uh, the, the Dolphins are out of season but starting, you know, their, their OTA and post-draft work. And it's been great having Coach McDaniel in the building, waving flags in our place and banging the drum up at the, up at the rink. So it really has galvanized the whole place. But to have games three – for each series and games four of each series are in four consecutive days yeah. in South Florida. <laughs> so for the folks who uh, like to run back and forth between the two, they're going to be doing a whole lot of running uh, for the Heat game three, Panthers game three, and then the consecutive game fours. Well, from your friends up north, keeping Florida, uh, keep those championships a coming, and uh, we wish those Heat the best of luck as they get ready to take on the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals. Jason Jackson, thank you so much for your time, and uh, we appreciate all the insights. You got it. Be well. Well, Chris, you're you're a betting man. Do you uh, would you take that? Take take Miami to win this thing? Ah, uh, bigger payout. Bigger payout. Have yeah. You, what is you, it? Are you a believer yet? Plus three hundred right now for Miami. Now I I don't know. It's so hard to bet against Denver though. I mean they really are a true number one seed. They have not been forced to a game seven. They are, but I mean all it takes is one Jokic injury. Roll that ankle. Things change drastically. Yeah, they do, yeah. Still got Murray though. I don't know, yeah. man. Um but hey, everyone else who's bet against the Heat has lost, so maybe I should ride that train. Yeah, we should head on down. Just be a part of the environment down Let's there. Let's do it. All right. BK, uh, be a part of our environment now as you rejoin the program. Um yeah, Miami Heat. It's uh I mean, I know it's it's not our market, but I feel like um, in rooting interest for the state of Florida that we got a poll for the Heat and the Panthers. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, and I, I like mean, the dead rats they throw on the ice. Dead rats, <laughs> I like that. Dead, dead rats, or they're live rats. Better I than don't know. live, better yeah. than live for sure. Yes. All right, we got the uh, randomizer. <coughs> we got the button out. Uh, we are ready to roll. Got loaded with questions. Game, yes. How many questions have you loaded in? Uh, we did four today. We're trying to. Okay, you know, take it but easy. but it's thousands, it's thousands oh, the, of questions oh, in yes. the actual randomizer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very good. Do <laughs> you want stop the, it four times? Do you want honors? I get the suspicion there's only four questions in this randomizer. Right, so yeah, I'll go first. Test. Okay. Test. All right. Okay. All right, and let's stop right there. That's the sweet spot. Ooh. What mispronunciation drives you nuts, Chris Cato? Oh, it's easy. Um, where is Las Vegas located? Nevada. Yes, correct. Yeah. How do most people say it, though? I don't know that most say Nevada, but some people say Nevada. Quite a few. In my industry, too, in the news business, uh, professional reporters, anchors say Nevada. Yeah. 
And I used to be in that camp uh, until I made a good friend, uh, Justin Chambers, if you're listening. I know you are. Hi. Who grew up in Las Vegas. And until then, I didn't know people actually grew up there, but they do. Mm. Uh, and They grow old there. He did. Yeah. And grow rich. Very rich. No. He uh, s- set me straight. He's like, no, it's Nevada. Stop saying Nevada. Yeah. Uh, we have a, what's the state where uh, Lincoln is located? Home of the Huskers. Illinois. Just kidding. Home of the Huskers. Yeah. Well, Lincoln. I thought Nebraska was. Yeah, yeah okay. no, we have Nebraska. We don't have Nebraska. Oh, I thought you were talking about Abe Lincoln. He's from Illinois. Uh, you're right. I should have used a better example. Where's, where's Lincoln from? Where is Omaha? <laughs> Nebraska. Nebraska. We don't have Nebraska. Okay. And we don't have Nevada. You know, my, my father-in-law, uh, speaking of state pronunciations, calls Oregon, Oregon. Yeah. He always does. And mm-hmm. I've corrected him many a time. Uh, and that's, of course, the state I was born in. So I'm... That does get into my skin. I don't know that I have any big mispronunciations that bother me. Um, you know, when it comes to pecans or pecans, yeah, it's a pecan. It's not a pecan. Okay. Well, don't tell my grandmother that. Okay. Well, come on, Grandma Kato. But she also pronounced the state of Iowa Iowa. So I don't. You can't really go by her. BK, all do you the have time. any mispronunciations that drive you nuts? Uh, just come. I mean, the trend now of not saying the letter T. Have you noticed that? Like mountain, it's not mountain. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, not actually, fountain. Does it drive no, you? No, that it drives br- you nuts. I, I hang on. Breaking me. news. That is how you pronounce mount, mountain. No T. Don't say the T. It's a it's a sibilant T. Mountain. Okay. Fountain. Oh. Look, I did. So the thing that drives BK crazy is it's actually the correct way to know. pronounce it. Wow. That's not true. It is true. Wow. And listen, I I got schooled last year by my. 10-year-old son who said, Dad, you're saying it wrong. And you what say, is it? Sillibent? Sillibent T? Yeah, don't quote me on that. But it's a, it's a, you don't say the T. You don't pronounce a hard T in fountain or mountain. Oh. So, Brian, yeah. That is not. I've so, got. Hey, so I got the Brian largest is, Brian is mountain right in the world is what? Mountain. You, you said it wrong again. I uh, know. I'll continue to say it wrong. Mountain. Come on. What the largest is? Is it Mount Everest? No, it's Mount Everest. Well, Mount is a different word than mountain. so. You just yes. the fact you add a i n makes it silent. Yeah, look, there are weird things like this throughout the English language. I can't. I'll give have you to a, investigate. I can't give you a reason for it, but that's how they pronounce wow. it. Wow. Here's my number two one, Brian. You can weigh on in this. How do you pronounce the name of the uh, chain restaurant that supplies oh Mexican American casual <laughs> fare? You can order a bowl, a burrito. How do you pronounce the name of that chain? <laughs> Uh, Chipotle. <laughs> Chipotle. Yeah, transposed right there. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was, was going to yeah. go, go with Taco Breezy. But, uh, <laughs> Kato, inside joke, man. Yeah. Oh, was it a inside <laughs> I, got, I got one for Kato. What is the breakfast uh, pastry that you would get at maybe a place like Krispy Kreme? Oh, no. <laughs> it's, everyone knows that that's called coffee, Scott. Oh, the pastry. Uh, that's a donut. Donut. <laughs> A donut. It's a donut. All of a sudden, Chris is tri- he's he's uh, from Wisconsin. It's, donut. Everyone calls yes. it a donut. Yeah, donut. <laughs> donut. Uh, BK, how do you say the month after January? February. Did you catch that? What do you say, Chris? February. Wait, what? February. 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 Brian, say it again. February. Oh, See, now he just changed. He said it the way I said it. No, February. He February. pronounces the R. In front of the U. Yeah. He says February. February. Yeah. My grandmother would always pronounce her WHs. I did I did that. I did that. I did that. Cool whip. Cool whip. 
whip. Was that uh, what was that Family Guy where yeah. Stewie? Yeah, yeah, I used to do that a lot, and people made fun of me, and yeah. then I stopped because they. It made probably fun of me. is the proper way to say it, though, right? Listen, let me just just to take us down off the trail here. Growing up in rural Alabama, there that's why I don't get mad about things people mispronounce because I'd be throw I'm living in a glass house throwing rocks if I'm right. doing that. Yeah. I mean, there are so many things that I have to fight. But you are uh, part of the grammar police, though. Oh. This you. <laughs> well, I am now. Every time I hear Brian say mountain, I'm going to go nuts. <laughs> All right, let me fire up the randomizer again. Here we go. <laughs> All right, and scene. What's the worst college course you ever took? Uh, um, I was I was not a good math student. Uh, so I remember taking a statistics course that was just. I mean, which is ironic because as a sports guy, I kind of deal with stats to a certain extent, but I'm certainly not a math guy. Uh, hated statistics. I didn't like any math I ever took. Uh, in like for my degree in mass com, um, I took a print a print communication class and that was awful because it was <laughs> i never i didn't care about any of it it was always about font size and sans serif and like helvetica yeah, <laughs> like how you would structure a threefold brochure and i'm like it, this is i don't have no interest wait in this it sounds out. like some of this stuck with you though this yeah. was a good professor you well, had it scarred me what about you uh, I took one of those print classes, too. It, it, and we knew print journalism was dying at the time, but we still had to take it, right? Yeah. Sorry, all of our friends in newspaper. Not Pod Gazette. Uh, math, same. I you know, I think one great thing about being a communications or broadcast student is you only had to take one math class. And, yeah. and they put me in, like, the hardest one my freshman year. It was some, some kind of advanced algebra class, and it was brutal. Yeah. It, was, it was – I had to – actually work hard i wasn't ready to do that yet in college i had to work hard to kind of scrape by and get a b once you start putting in them letters uh, you know you throw me for a loop <laughs> that's tough one plus n what are you talking about man yeah oh yeah here we go let's go with that one right there bang what is something you've recently became uh grammar is one thing i've recently became obsessed with <laughs> who wrote these <laughs> <laughs> the guy that says mountain <laughs> and Chipotle. Uh, what is something you've recently become obsessed with? Yeah. This is going to sound like lip service, but this is the truth. Uh, this is not <laughs> That's later. That's uh, this is the honest answer. I've become obsessed with our Tampa Bay Rays. I've okay. I've really fallen hard for them. Okay. I you know to me. When did this uh, love affair begin? Well, it, it was okay. So for me, most of my life, this was what I called the armpit of the sports calendar, the dead zone. Okay. Really, after the Super Bowl, it was kind of really rough because it was just football or bust yeah countdown college football but then when i moved here and it was such a big hockey town i got into the lightning and yeah. so we usually have that although you know this year we don't this time of year to have them to to get us through this dark period but really i think it was the pandemic year when the rays had that really 60 game season and it was kind of like yeah. every game mattered yeah, that's the problem i had with baseball is like I had trouble believing that anything before the All-Star break mattered. But now with this team, this year's team, that got out of that gate to that historic start, I wanted them to never lose a game. And now I've found myself, this is when you know you become a fan, when you're upset when they lose. Like, as we tape this, they've dropped two in a row to the Cubs, and they mm -hmm. only scored one run in those two games, which is completely unlike how they've been playing the rest of the year and it hurt me and that's when i knew that i'm a fan brian if you look up the word uh, bandwagon in yeah. the dictionary no chris's pick will be right there i no. was a band you know, as soon as they started off to this historical start i thought you know what that's unfair i this just this is a team that i i just said i was disappointed when they lost a bandwagon fan is not disappointed when they lost 
Well, I don't think I'm a bandwagon fan. No. I've I've gone to games. Look, look. I've I've listened to or watched part right. of every broadcast. You, this you're 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 being embraced. All right, you won't be pushed away. There's open seats at the trop for you. A lot. Of them. <laughs> uh, I would say something I've recently become obsessed with. Um, so not to push another podcast on you, but uh, a buddy of mine passed off this like conspiracy podcast. I am not like a conspiracy guy. Um. I, I didn't think of myself as one. But man, it's called uh, Theories of the Third Kind, and it gets into every conspiracy that you could potentially this conceive is, of. This is the last thing we need you listening and to. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're susceptible tin, tin already. Tinfoil hat, man. Yes, for sure. It's, uh, you think I'm susceptible. I think it's uh, very, some of these are very interesting. I like the ones like that, that go back into like history. Uh, JFK. I mean, you have anything that like I'm not really big into like the alien stuff and, and all that. But, <laughs> As we uh, learned last week. But yeah. I, I'm getting there. Um, no, but uh, the stuff that has to do with history, I think it's fascinating. Theories like, of the third kind. Theories of the third okay. kind. Check it out. Tell me what you think. Hey, I gotta hang on. I gotta ask BK. We I ran into him in the elevator on the way in. What a pleasant thing to run into BK. <laughs> it's a nice trip. He has uh, he the, has the fact that you went to the elevator was amazing. <laughs> we we work in a two story building. <laughs> Come on. I'm really lazy. Um, he has a weird. That elevator he, takes about eight minutes just to get it to come to you. I floor. know that's that's my get myself together time. Right. I can get my mind right in there if you know what I mean. I so Brian has one of the weirdest obsessions I've heard. It's 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 just re, I mean I've got hooked on these YouTube videos. I don't know if you've seen them, but it's it's guys who cut like overgrown. Ah, yes, you've told no men. Why he's watching men <laughs> cut grass? Yes, it is. I, I he is the sucker is. that he wants. He wants this. You want this side hustle? Let's just be honest. Well, no. I just sit there and I go, "Oh, is there something wrong with me?" And I look down. It's got a million something views. So it's yeah. not just me. And how many of them are yours? Well, it's not. You just watch. <laughs> but it's, it's uh, there's something you know hypnotic about it where you sit is. there and you watch it and you. Well, it's. I think it's the the lure of the makeover house shows. Probably you know, so. Where it's like, oh, look at this dump. Now watch hmm. what we do. And you got to. You got to. I, what I do is I just fast forward to the end. Like just. just I make see. it. I make it a, a two minute show. For I've me. started. Yeah. Let me see how it starts. I don't care about any of the drama in between, and I want to see how it finishes. And so that's basically what you're getting in these YouTube videos when a guy's cutting grass. You're like, wow, this is like a mangled yard. <laughs> and he comes in and it gives it a fresh haircut. And you're like, ah, oh, that's pretty cool. It, there, it, there's a therapeutic part. To, it's kind of like um like power washing offense this is what is this called the lawn whisperer what is no this? the one guy uh, he's out of wichita sb mowing nice oh, cool okay. guy sb mowing wichita SB. they've got a lot of wheat there and i he bet just, he cuts wheat too he's out of Shocker. business and one day a week he'll find a yard that it's overgrown and the people need some help and so he's he's pocketing some big coin off of youtube oh, they're all making money there's, a, there's not just only one there's a it's ton incredible. of them. i bet they've got sponsored toro lawnmowers and everything. Seeing, yeah. Yeah. yeah so oh, right now what we need all our nod pod viewers to do is to tell us what you would watch okay respond on our youtube yeah. page <laughs> What would you watch on an endless clip like BK watching a guy cut grass? Yeah, and uh, and that might give us uh, a retirement plan. Here. <laughs> is it Fox Scott? Is it Scott shaving? We don't care how <laughs> no, weird it I is. Shave. Is, I'll yeah. do it. Whatever you want, man. You, mm -hmm. you want me to go paint the fence? I could do that. I'll eat donuts on camera. Have you ever watched <laughs> whatever Doc, you? Have what? you ever watched Doctor Pimple Popper? No, no that's gross. That I will never watch that. that. No. We'll right, give me that, that button. Let's, All right, let's there, fire please. That. We have one more. Last one. Okay, here we go. We're running out of time. Okay, I already hit it. Here we go. What famous person, current or in history, are you related to? Okay, all right. So, um, I actually have a couple. I actually have you a couple. You do? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so Joseph Cannon, uh, he was, I believe, in the early 1800s. He was uh, Speaker of the House. Um, I want to say he was from the state of Illinois. Okay. And, uh, yeah, he was, in fact, the, there is a Cannon office building there um, on Capitol Hill that uh, a lot of senators and representatives or whatever have their offices in. So Joseph Gurney Cannon uh, on my mom's side. And also on my mom's side, uh, have you heard of, uh, you know, in, in what do they call policemen in England? Oh, the, the coppers? The bre- No, the... No, I don't know. Bobbies. Yeah, the Bobbies. That's it. That is named after one of my relatives, Sir Robert Peel, who actually was prime minister of the UK. No way. He he was like the father of modern policing. Wait, so you're saying you one of your relatives was the prime minister of the UK? That's what I'm saying to you. Yeah, Yeah, pretty cool. That's very. You you have some powerful uh, genes in your family. They check them out. What had some powerful genes on right now? Well, what happened? But I also have a lot of liars in my family too, so (laughs) that that could all be made up. If you have politicians in your family, you yeah, most likely. So it makes it yeah, it's like self validating. Yeah. What about you, Chris? That's, uh, I can't top that. Uh, I don't even have a... I have someone who... There are people in my family who say we're related to this historic figure, but we. I don't think I could prove it to you. Like, you clearly have a direct lineage to those two you just mentioned. Well, I, um, couldn't, pr- I couldn't prove it. This is just my, what my grandmother, her, her last words to me. Oh, that's golden. Okay. That's all you uh, need. Well, that, you, well, you, can, you can take that to heaven. Uh, so, Cato the Elder was a famous Roman orator during ancient Rome, the time of Caesar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uh, wrote pamphlets on agriculture, which is fitting. I come from a, a, a line of farmers. So, we claim, I think, some loose relationship to him. And then his grandson, uh, Cato the Younger, was a Roman senator uh, who was actually mentioned in Shakespeare's Julius Caesar because he was a contemporary of Caesar, led an uprising or was part of an uprising against uh, Caesar, and uh, then. Um, Killed himself, offed himself on his sword. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it was you know. Cato. Cato uh, okay, Marcius, uh, Marcus Porcius Cato. Yeah. He lived uh, from 95 BC to 46 BC. Yeah. So he died uh, still a young man. Didn't quite make it. Oh no, that's Cato the younger. Okay. Yeah, that's the that's the grandson. Yeah. Well, I take it you're related to both of them. Well, you know, I don't know. I, we say we are, but I can't prove it to you. I mean, look at his bust, though. He does look a little like me. I, that's how I look after, you know, uh, no, I don't look like that. Wait, no, this is definitely, got, this guy's related. Cato's legendary stubbornness began in his early years. <laughs> yes. Uh, reported, uh, let's see, Sarpedon, his tutor, reported a child who was very obedient and questioning. Although slow to be persuaded of things and sometimes difficult. That's me. That that that's, is you to that, a T. That's You're, been passed down for centuries. So apparently. you're Cato, like the younger. Younger. I'm Cato the younger. younger who? Uh, let's see. Let's get down to my death here, or my my relative's death. Okay. So this is Plutarch's account of Cato's death. Mm. Cato drew his sword from its sheath and stabbed himself below <gasps> the breast. <gasps> right there. Uh, his thrust, however, was somewhat feeble, and he did not at once dispatch himself. So then he was wallowing and moaning, and his servants heard the noise. And then his son, his, basically his son had to run in and finish the job. No, wait. Oh, man. His doctor went in and tried to replace his bowels. That didn't work. Yeah. Uh, Bowel and replacement so, surgery. So basically Cato did a terrible job of killing himself and then suffered like, got an infection and suffered a long, painful death. He said he was the, uh, he was like the arch nemesis to Julius Caesar. Yeah, yeah, he led a little bit of a revolt against old Caesar wow. there, against so old Caesar you, salad. So you, your lineage is Italian then? 
Yes, I guess we can you say that. You don't even know that? I cannot. You listen, got to I come. Three and me. I could, I, no, I don't want to find out who else I'm related to if I do that. <laughs> we're, look, we're from a me, kind of a melting pot. It's one thing I always admired when I lived in the Northeast. Everyone knows their lineage there well, but in the South, we're kind of all mutts, right? You're mixed in with this, you're sure. mixed in with that. But a proud mutt I am. Yeah. Yes. They thought back then. Uh, we love uh, uh, Rome. Let's move to Alabama. <laughs> I want to go back into the woods. That's very, that accent you're using is very offensive to me. Yeah, sorry. Please, I apologize. That's quite impressive, yeah, guys. That's Good, pretty uh, cool. This is yeah, like well, uh, this is like a royal podcast. Too. Yeah, it really is. Look at we're like uh, we're really letting our ancestors down. I think that's what the yeah. <laughs> I'll be wearing. Boy, we have fallen far from the tree, haven't we? <laughs> really. Very sad. If they could see us now, they would feebly try to kill themselves again. <laughs> I should have done it before I had the younger. <laughs> Stop my family line immediately. I don't want a co-host in my family line. All right. Very good. Hey, that was fun. Good show. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, big thanks to Jason Jackson giving us the scoop of what's going on down there in South Beach, and uh, we wish the Miami Heat the best of luck. Bring home that championship. And much thanks to our crew as well. Um, we have uh, we have a fantastic crew here at Nightfly Headquarters. Do. But I'm, I wish I could I'm privileged remember their to be working with uh, the best co-host. You you may have have feeble attempts in your family line, but. You always bring your best to this podcast. Well, that's nice of you to say. Now, what, what, do you need help cutting bucks. your grass or something? Yes. Brian's Brian will be it. watching us. <laughs> Beyond the fence. Look at them. They're so good. All right. Very good. Until the next. Oh, wait. Let me show you uh, where you can catch this uh, full-length episode of this podcast. Go to fox13news.com slash nodpod or hit the QR code on the screen. Remember, we also have social media pages as well. Until the next time we are on, there are no... Off days. All right, gonna go watch some grass cutting now. Cato the younger, <laughs> the youngest younger. Burger.